This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what we would like to talk about today is all in. And uh, I would challenge you, you know, that God will probably convict you in some areas of your life. And uh, let's just really consider the, the nudges that God gives to our heart, you know, to, to respond to that. Oh, see there? I have, a, I have something to drink too, dear. Oh, <laughs> is, is this for her as well? Thank you. Or do I have two of them? You can have two if you really want. <laughs> you usually don't drink any, so. I know. Actually, I'll take that. You're going to take that? Yep. I gave my mom, who's sitting back over there on the back row there, I came out, coming up here last night, I came out and I gave her water. She cannot open these herself. So she gave it back to me at the end of the service. I couldn't get into it. So I got to open them for her. But I opened the one I just gave you while I got mine. So you know that. Okay. Uh, so why don't we uh, start here? Are you just going to hold that bottle the whole time? I am. That's what I've been doing the last few services. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. With singing and This is my wife, in case you didn't know. I need. And you guys watching online. I'm Pastor Ron. This is Pastor Susan. And uh, why don't you read uh, Luke 7, Luke 10, verse 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, what percentage is all? 100%. 100%. That's a hundred percent. Now listen to these, this word all as it shows up in this particular verse. And what we're talking about today is all in. And this might meddle with you just a little bit, but it says here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your heart. hundred percent. With all your soul. With all your soul. That's a hundred percent too, is it? Yep. And with all your strength. And with all your strength. 100% of your strength. And with all your mind. And with all your mind. And? And your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor as yourself. So when we're talking about all in, we're talking about developing an all in relationship of God. When you think about your relationship with God, are you all in? I mean, think about it. Let's don't just, you know, just throw it out because it's a nice thing to say. But are you genuinely all in in regards to your relationship with God? Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 19. Verse 13 says, Then little children were brought to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Can you imagine that? Here's Jesus. The mamas and the daddies are bringing all the little kids and asking Jesus just to lay his hands on these little guys and bless them and all. And the disciples are going, hey, no, no. No little kids allowed here. No little kids. No, no, no. Don't bother Jesus. He's got more important things to do, dealing with all the big people's problems and all like that. And so they, you know... Uh, the disciples rebuked all the people who bring all the little kids. But he said, He, Jesus said, Leave the, li- the children alone. Allow the little ones to come to me, and do not forbid or restrain or hinder them. For of such as these 
is the kingdom of heaven composed. So the kingdom of heaven is composed of those like these little kids who just are so believing of what Jesus says. And that's the way you and I need to be. We need to be so believing and so trusting in him. And we can learn from little kids. And Jesus says, don't you reprimand them. These guys will teach the adults. You know, because this is what the kingdom is composed of. And he put his hands upon them and then went on his way. And behold, there came a man up to him saying, Teacher, what excellent and perfectly and essentially good deed must I do to possess eternal life? See, this uh, guy here, he, he wanted to know what he could do to possess it. I want to own this thing called eternal life. I, I want to have it. It's mine. He had a whole lot of other stuff. But he said, now, what excellent, you know, perfectly, essentially good thing must I do so I can, you know, possess and have it as my very own eternal life. And he said to him, why do you ask me about the perfectly and essentially good? There is only one who is perfectly, is good, perfectly and essentially, and that's God. If you would enter into the life, eternal life, you must continually keep the commandments. Hmm. Now, God has given us commands in his word, and they're not to be a party pooper. They are to bless us and to make our lives function uh, abundantly. Everything that God has given us in his word, it's just like the manufacturer's handbook with a car. So your car will function optimally. Get the best gas mileage, get the best of everything, and you follow the handbook. And that's what he's telling Right here, he says, you must continually keep the commandment. Is that what he said? Commandments. See that S on there? Plural. There's plural commands. And he says, you must keep the commandments. He said to him, what sort of commandments or which ones? Can you see this guy who has everything? Well, well, which one should I keep? Or, Or specifically, you don't really expect me to abide by them all. Which is the most important, you know? It's kind of what he's saying right here, you know? What sort of commandments or which ones? And Jesus answered, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. The young man said, I have observed all these from my youth. What still do I lack? Hmm. I, I have observed all of these. I've done it all. You know? I think he might have been a little prideful. You reckon? He said, I, I've done all this. You know? What, what still do I lack? Jesus answered him, if you would be perfect, that is, have this, that spiritual maturity. Is there anybody here who wants to be perfect? Yeah. You want to have spiritual maturity? Yes. You, you look very nervous. Perfect is kind of uh, one of those words. It's like, can I even do that? Can we actually be that? Well, Jesus said, if you would be perfect, that is, have this, that spiritual maturity which accompanies 
self-sacrificing character. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. And come, be my disciple. Side with my party and follow me. Can, can you imagine if Jesus was here in the flesh today? He says, you know, your stuff, your stuff that you accumulate, sell it and just give it to people who have real genuine needs and then come and live with me and my disciples. I'm going to teach you to do what I'm doing and you're going to follow me and be with me for the rest of my life. What an awesome opportunity that would be. Hey, just, just, you don't want to just leave your stuff here just gathering rust and dust and all. Said, so just sell it, give it away, and then come and follow me. Be part of my clan as we go through life together, healing the sick and raising the dead and giving people the good news is, is what he's talking about here. But when the young man heard this, He went away sad, grieved, and in much distress, for he had great possessions. This man who had great possessions, and he wanted to add to his possessions eternal life. But he didn't want to be a disciple. He didn't want to follow Jesus everywhere he went. He didn't want to learn the things that Jesus was doing. He was not all in. He had every physical possession, And he didn't want to give up any of it. Even though Jesus said, hey, give it to the poor people and come and hang out with me. Now, you think about that for a moment. Would that be something you would want to do? Just one at a time, please. Don't all of you speak up at the same time here. This is interesting here. Think about this for just a moment. This is so interesting When the young man heard this, he went away grieved. Just because Jesus said, sell what you got. He's the one who wrote the manufacturer's handbook. Sell what you got, give it to him. And then, you know, come, be my disciple. Side with my party and follow me. And the guy was distressed. Why? Why was he distressed? Why was he so grieved? He had a lot of stuff. He had lots of stuff. And his stuff had him. And that's the key. And God will ask you. He's not going to ask you to give away all your stuff. The stuff that you got. But he will ask you to give away the stuff that's got you. That's controlling you. He will ask those kind of questions of you. To see what do you love most. The giver or the gift. (laughs) He will inquire such things of us. Okay, let's go ahead. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, I say to you, it will be difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. And, and you got to understand that the, the gates that was around the city, they were big gates. They had opened them in the day. And dozens of people could go in, and they would have wagons, and they'd have camels, and all kinds of stuff. There was plenty of room to get all your stuff in. If you was, uh, you know, selling something or buying something, there was plenty of room. But at nighttime, they closed the big gates. But within the gate was a small door. So if you came late, 
you know, you could still get in that little door, but they had to close the gates so bad guys wouldn't come in and all. But that little small door in the gate was referred to as the, you know, the eye of the needle, the needle's eye. And if you came late with your camel and it's loaded down with all kinds of goods that you were going to sell in the market, if you came at night, you wanted to get in the, the gate <clears throat> because that's where it was safe at. And what you'd have to do, you'd have to open the door, you'd have to get the camel down on his knees, you'd have to unload all these bags and all this stuff that the camel was carrying, hundreds of pounds of stuff, and then you'd have to drag it through that little open door. And then the camel, you know, that you can't even reach the top of his head standing up here, that camel who was kneeling down had to crawl through that little door in the gate, and then you had to load all that stuff back up on the camel and take him wherever he was going. So when it's talking about the eye of a needle, you're going, a camel can't go through a sewing needle. It wasn't talking about a sewing needle. It was talking about the eye of a needle, which is that little door that was in the gate. Let's read that one more time. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. It's not impossible for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's not impossible. And it's not impossible for a rich man to go to heaven. But it's more difficult. That's what he's telling us here. When the disciples heard this, they were utterly puzzled, astonished, bewildered, saying... Who then can be saved from eternal death? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. You can go to heaven, though you're a rich man. And, and you can get a, a, a camel through a needle's eye. You know, God can do anything when you trust in him. Then Peter answered him, saying, Behold, we have left our all and have become your disciples, sided with your party and followed you. What then shall we receive? He said, We are disciples. We're all in. That's what he was saying. We're all in. What what are we going to receive? You know. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new age, the messianic rebirth of the world, when the Son of Man shall sit down on the throne of his glory, you who have become my disciples, sided with my party and followed me, will also sit on twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Wow. He said, you guys are all in? You're all in? And, And there is yet awesome things for you to do and you will advance my kingdom and you will be a part of all this because you have declared and you've made it so you're all in and anyone and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake hold on here a second you remember who you're talking about that rich man's who was not willing to give away any of his stuff to help poor people. But Jesus now is telling something that the rich man should have hung around and listened to. And you pointed out last night that once we responded to Christ and we went off to Bible school, we moved straight to Connecticut from there, passed a little church over in New Haven, Started a Bible study over here. We left everything down south. Uh, and I had inherited from my uh, 
relatives who went on to be with Jesus, I inherited a house full of antique furniture and all that stuff. And we left everything that we had down there. We left our family. We got to see them maybe once a year or something like that. But uh, it says here, uh, let's read that again. And anyone and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake. For my sake. For my name's sake. Will receive many, even a hundred times more. Uh, wait a minute. The rich man who Jesus said, I want you to go sell your stuff and give it to some poor people and come follow me. And now Jesus is saying, and you'll, you'll have even a hundred times more than what you sold and gave to the poor people. You will have a hundred times as much as you had because then you're going to always be able to be generous and help other people. He should have stuck around to hear that. He should have. But, but he didn't want to lose any of the stuff he had. But if he had a, he, it says here. Many, even a hundred times more will inherit and will inherit eternal life. You'd have got a hundred times as much as you've given up and you would inherit eternal life. And that's that, what he really wanted was eternal life. Absolutely. That's what he'd come asking for. But see, Jesus knows what has hold of your heart. You know, and what you're not willing to give up. And he'll often challenge you on that very thing. You know, oh, I want you to give that away. How many times have I done that? You know, in my life, there's something I liked a whole lot. You know? A canoe, a sailboat. And as soon as I got them and was enjoying them, I liked them, I thought about them a lot, I just had to give it away. Just because God wanted my heart. You know, my all. Is that right? Yeah. Anyhow, let's, let's go on. Let's here. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, oh, John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Hmm. Jesus was all in because he laid down his life for us. Did he not? Yes. He was all in for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus left all of his riches and glory, all that was in heaven, that was his. He left it all and he came here. And then he laid down his life for you and me. And he says, greater love, there is not. The greatest of all love is when a, a person lays down their life for their friend. That's what we're talking about here. You know, not just lay down our possessions like he was asking the rich man, hey, sell some of your stuff, give it to the poor, come follow me. But Jesus laid down his stuff, but he laid down his life. He didn't hold anything back. Nothing was held back. He was all in. And that's how God feels about us. He's all in for us. He listens to every prayer you ever pray. And anytime, I don't know if you got up this morning and hung out with God a little bit, or if you stayed up a little later last night and just spent some time with God or not, but he's there. If you show up, you know, in the night or hike up on a mountain at night or in the morning, or you just say, he's there waiting on you. You'll never step out into a time of a quiet time, a prayer time, and God not show up. He's there waiting for you. Don't you think so? Yeah. Always. 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 Yes. I saw a great example of, of even what Jesus was asking here about, you know, 
giving up everything, what he was asking of this rich young ruler a couple days ago. How many of you read the Daily Bread um, on a daily basis? And a couple of days ago, it, it talked about um, giving while you're living. And there was a, I think it was an athlete or, or something who had like billions and billions of dollars. And he was determined to give it all away before he died. And so he went about doing that. He just believed in, in giving while you're living. Why wait till you're dead and then somebody takes it, you know, but to give... Uh, he began to just give everything away. Mm. And we, we can't outgive God. You know, the more, the more we give, the more he winds up giving to us because he looks at us as a, uh, an avenue or a channel to, to bless others and to meet their needs. And, and it's really hard to give everything away. I don't think you can do it. Because when you give, he says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shake together, and run it over. Yeah. Shall men give unto your bosom. You know, so the more you give, the more God gives you because he knows he can trust you to bless other people and all. It's, it's just pretty amazing as you study that. Psalm 39 verse 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Have you been reminded how brief your time on earth is? Maybe a funeral reminds us every once in a while. It reminds us how... But, but here, the psalmist is as part of his prayer. Have you ever prayed something like that? Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. And, and it goes on. What does it say? Remind me that my days are numbered. Did you know your days are numbered? Yes. What day are you on right now? If you figured you have 365 days a year... What's the average person live? How many days do you have left? You go, oh, that could be kind of scary. No, I'm on my, you know, I've only got, uh, but here the psalmist, he's praying, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be and remind me that my days are numbered. And that my life is fleeing away. Have you noticed that? Your life, your, your time is fleeing away. I, I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but when I got out of high school, time picked up pretty quick. When I was in school, oh, man, it just took so long to get through a grade, you know? It took so long to get through one day. Much. But as soon as you get out of school, and then you maybe have a little bit more of school, some college, and you get out of that, and then the days just, now we blink an eye and year pass. Isn't it amazing? Have y'all noticed how time has kind of sped up for you? Because you can remember when you was really young, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I should stop saying how old I am all the time, shouldn't I? I'm still young at heart. I really am. Okay, let's go ahead. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. What? What? He says my life is no longer. He didn't say of the length of my hand. Because that is, a, he says, my life is the, 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 the same distance as the width of my hand, and that's pretty short. Yeah. Have you ever thought of that? Like, wow, that represents the length of your life. Well, see, God has some better prayer, prayer, prepared for us than what we are seeing right now. You know, and those who have gone on before us, and we think about it, and we think about them, you know, and we are looking for a, uh, a city whose builder 
and maker is God. And, and I can hardly quote that without smiling because I can get a little glimpse of what it's like. You know, that God built it especially for you because he loves you so much. He's got so much. And the people who are clinging to their little possessions here, God goes, in heaven, and it's like thick, solid gold. We make roads out of, out of gold. Things you value so much here. If you value it so much, well, you want to make sure you're going to get to heaven and see the, what the roads are like in heaven. But nobody's going to be hoarding it. Will you be digging up the roads in heaven and putting it all in your backyard? No. I don't think so, because you know, I never have another need, genuinely. Anyhow, let's go ahead. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Human existence is but a breath? An entire lifetime is just a moment to you? And human existence is but a breath? When summertime comes and you're out of the lake or you're in a swimming pool or in a river somewhere and you take a breath, how long can you hold it? Not very long. Not very long. And our life here on this earth is not very long. Are you all in? God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Are you all in? We are merely moving shadows. Hmm. And I would challenge you today, maybe tomorrow, this week, I would challenge you to get out in your yard somewhere or go to a park. And uh, when the sun is up, and uh, did anybody see the sun this morning? Yes. It was beautiful. And it casts shadows, you know? I mean, because there's a sun somewhere, and, and they cast shadows and just sit there, maybe at a picnic table or something, and watch that sun, and it moves. Uh, from the time the sun's up in the morning until it goes down at night, that's not 24 hours either. <laughs> that's half of that or, or, or less. But watch the shadow as it moves across your yard. Watch it. That's kind of like your life. It moves pretty fast, to be honest with you. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. Whoa. All of our busy rushing. You ever get caught up in busy rushing? I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. Says it all ends up in nothing. It all ends up in nothing. So you always have time for God. You, you, you always have time for God. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. Is that a pleasant thought? All of your plans for your wealth, the kids are going to fight over it. And that's a sad thing because I have genuinely seen that. Lots of times kids fighting over it. Kids are just fighting over it. I wanted that. I don't don't, know. That's just so sad. So sad. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My where do I put my hope? What's the definition of hope? A confident expectation. For the future. For the future. A confident expectation for the future. That's what hope is. It says, so, Lord, we're, we're, we're being reminded of how brief life is, how soon it passes like a shadow, and all this, and, and all... And he's telling us, 
here and says, Lord, where do I put my confident expectation? Where do I put my expectation for the future? If life is so short and, and brief. And you know what I'm saying? My only hope is in you. That's where my confident expectation, that's where my hope is. It's in you. It's in a developing a close relationship with you. That's where my hope is. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to make the most of our time. Oh, do you make the most of your time or do you waste a lot of time? Oh, don't answer me if you don't want to. I can understand that. Teach me to make the most of our time so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to be all in. Teach us how to be all in. Teach us how to have wisdom. Teach us how to use, you know, the time that we do have. I know a few years ago we uh, did a, a series in church and it was yep. called One Month to Live. Oh, wow. And that was the focus. You know, if you found out you only had one month to live, how would you live your life now? Would, would you change anything that you're doing? If, if you knew that you had only one month and it's because you were going to pass or maybe Jesus was going to come back for us all. Is there anything you would change in your life right now if you knew you only had one month to live? Yes. Uh, that was the question. Thank you for answering. <laughs> would you change anything? Yes. Two of you? Okay. We'd probably think about, I've got some loved ones who don't know Jesus yet. I should probably pray for them more. And I should probably love them and speak to them and encourage them. And I'd, I'd probably find out what God wants me to do. And I'd probably, if I only had, uh, how many days is in a month? 31. If you had 31 days yet, what would you do with those 31 days? This, this is wise. There might be some people we need to ask forgiveness from. Or, or maybe some people we need to forgive. That's exactly right. Hmm. Okay, let's continue on. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Not just know things about him. Oh yeah, uh, Jesus walked on water. That was awesome. Not just know things about him. Oh, that we might know the Lord. To know him. You know, uh, there's a, a family here in, in our church uh, who's... Uh, Dad went to be with the Lord a few years ago. He was almost 100, and he loved the scriptures. That was his priority. And every person he came across their path, he shared with them about Jesus. Wonder how many people is going to be in heaven because of him. You know, you, you think about this. You, 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 do you know God, or just I just know something about him? Do you know him though in a personal way? It's going to get you to heaven. Are you making him known to other people? This is really, really important. Not just knowing things that Jesus did, but knowing him in such a way that you can introduce other people to him. Let us press on to know him. Oh, wow. Press on? Oh, press on? I mean, I'm all in. Press on to know him? Because there are forces that are opposing us from getting to know God. There are dark powers in this whole world that does not want you 
to know God because there's power that flows there. It says what? Press on to know him. I'm all in. Press on to know him. It's like a football team. You got one team over here and what are they doing? They're pressing to get to that goalpost over there. They're running into each other, knocking each other down. They're throwing footballs. They're tackling. They're pressing in because they want to get there, and they are pretty determined to do it too. And you, you hear a lot of coaches from time to time say, I want you to leave everything on the field. You ever heard that term? Yeah. Leave it all on the field. That means all of your energy and your strength and your wisdom. I want you to be all in and give me everything you got on this football team and press to get over there while they're pressing to get over here. And that's what he says here. Let us press on to know him. Leave everything. Leave everything here on the earth. Press in to get to know him. Then... Then... You press in, and then... He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn. Now, how often does dawn come? Every day? Are you sure of that? Yep. Do, do you see it every day? How many of y'all watch it show up? I see some of you yawning right now. <laughs> Think about it, though. Genuinely. Dawn shows up every day. And listen to what he goes on to say. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Does, does the rain come in early spring? Yeah. We make little nursery rhymes about it. April showers bring May flowers and all. And it says here, you know, then if we press on to know him, then we will, he will respond to us as surely as the arrival, just as sure as the dawn shows up, just as surely as the rain comes in early spring, God's going to respond to us if we're pressing on to know him. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to know God. That's more important than burnt offerings. All the burnt offerings that the folks gave us, we read in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices... God's saying his word, I don't want that. I want you to press on to know me, to have a relationship, to develop this awesome, close, powerful, intimate relationship to know God. And that's available to every one of us. So I challenge you to make a commitment to having a sacred time. You, not a person sitting beside you, but I'm challenging you to, to make a commitment to having a sacred time, a quiet time with God. Do you ever drift off course in your quiet time with God? Yeah. I, I, I have. You know, I used to go up on the mountain probably four days or five days a week, you know, and just wander around up there. Usually I'd go up here around 9 o'clock at night, and I'd spend several hours just wandering around just praying my heart out. And uh, life gets kind of busy, and, well, I, I, I don't do it as often as I used to, you know. But I've recommitted myself to every, every night to spend time up on the mountain just talking with God, making a sacred time and just hang out with him. And then to start my day before the dawn shows up and to be there again 
You say, well, why would you do that? <laughs> because his benefits are out of this world. Has God ever answered a prayer for you? Yes. How many of you here that God has ever answered a prayer for? Mm -hmm. One, two, mm -hmm. three, four, and a half. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Okay. You're doing it like this now. I'm a cheerleader. But uh, God does answer prayer. And I challenge you, get to know God. There are benefits that are out of this world. And he will give you a hundred times more than whatever you sacrifice for him. He really does. Genuinely does. Be all in in 2022. Daniel 11 verse 32 says, The people who do know their God shall be strong and do The exploits. people who are all in, they don't just know about God, but the people who are all in, they've pressed on to know. They've pressed in to know their God. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. We talked about this briefly last week. Exploits means extraordinary and heroic acts and deeds. And, and they who know their God will have the greatest possible advantages in life when you know God. God works it all together for good, no matter what it is. That's what he tells us in his word, you know. And, and we're like a stream. Think about this. We must stay connected to the, 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 uh, the lake. What happens if the water stops flowing from the lake into the stream? What happens to the stream? Dries up. Dries up. We got to stay connected. Just like we had been last uh, few weeks, we've been studying about thermostats. And after the next service, I'm going to leave this thermostat here because we did swipe it off of the wall over here. And it will work better when it's connected. When it's connected. Thermostats, did y'all know that? In your house. And, and are you connected in relationship with the Almighty God? Are you connected with Him? Do you know Him? Are you all connected? Are you all in? So God can use you however He wants to. Okay, let's continue on here. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ. If you have a choice to know Christ or to get all this stuff, which is most valuable? Christ, getting to if you know get him. to know him, he's going to give you all the stuff you ever need. Because he wants you to be a blessing to other people. That's just the truth of it. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else. Because I'm all in. Counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. It's all garbage that I might be all in that I might have Christ in an awesome, fantastic, wonderful relationship with him. So that I may have Christ and become one with him. Wow, be one with Christ, be in agreement, be in harmony to be what Jesus wanted that rich man to do. He said, sell yourself, give to the poor and come and follow me. Live with me, and the guys can hang around with me, and I'll teach you how to live your life. And the rich man, he wasn't willing to do so. He didn't want to be all in. 
And Paul goes on to say, I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. God's way of making us right with him. God's way of having us all in. It depends on faith. And when you've got faith, you hear him, you believe him, you act upon what he is telling you, you know. If you don't have no faith, you ain't all in. If you have the faith to obey almighty God, you're all in. You remember when God told Noah to, to build this massive boat? They called it the ark. And, and then God, well, Noah wanted all of his, his kids and their families to be all in the boat. Because there was judgment coming in a form of a flood. And God put it in the heart of the animals. Two of every animal came into that ark. And Noah and all his family. And Noah and his family were telling all the people down in the lowlands and all, come on, there's a flood coming. There's room on the ark for you guys. And they laughed and they chuckled and they lived very evil lives. And then when God told Noah and his uh, family to get in the the ark, you know who closed the door? God it says God closed the door. And the people down there were kind of chuckling, but the rain got serious. And the water began to rise. And up on that mountain, it, you know, all the animals, you know, were, were looking for high ground because the waters were, the rain was coming and the flood was bursting forth from springs and the, the earth was flooding and people went up there and now they're deciding that, hey, I want in the boat. Sorry, God closed it. I, I can't open it, you know? And they ripped their fingernails off, scratching at that, that old rough wood of a, a, a door that had been closed, trying to get in. See, they weren't all in. But there were some that were all in. And, and are you all in? When it comes to what God has created for you, are you all in? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's, the, that's what you want to say. Yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm whatever he wants me to do, whatever he wants me to be. Yes, I'm all in. All in. I'm all in. Let's continue on. As a result of faith, I can really know Christ. As a result of faith. I can really know Christ and I can complete that circuit and stay connected to him as of faith. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Through faith, you can know him and you can experience, not just know about it, but you can experience that resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead you can experience that right now if you're all in. Are you all in? Or it's like, well, yeah, I'm a little bit in. But are you all in? That's what God's challenging us to be. Totally committed to him. Are you all in, dear? Yes. And I know you are. And there's a lots of things in this world that dangle before us as we get older especially we see that and we and we are not all into the world although we might have tried to be you know 
for Social Security, I, I found a, a security that's even better than what the world offers. Yeah. What's his name? Jesus. Ha have you discovered that Jesus is pretty awesome? Yes. And he ain't just good for you now while on earth, but he's good for you throughout all eternity. That's just the truth of it. Okay, let's go ahead. Philippians 3 verse 10 in the Amplified Bible says, For my determined purpose, my determined purpose. is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Oh, wow. To, to get to know him better? Progressively? You know? More deeply, intimately acquainted with him? Oh. Wow. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Can you imagine you getting to know Jesus like this? And understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. All in. To get to know him, you will get to know his power. And you can fulfill... God's purpose for your life and make a difference in this world in which we live. Now, you can't have a close relationship with God without talking to him. What do we call that talking? Prayer. Where you commune with him and you talk to him and you, you ask him questions about his word. You, you, you talk with him and you worship him and, and your relationship just gets better and better and better. Matthew 6 Verse 5 says, and now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be two-faced this way, that way, and this way. Don't be two-faced. Don't be the hackers and the schemers and the charlatans and the frauds and all. He says about prayer, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And there's a lot of hypocrites who pray. Who love to pray publicly. Well, why in the world would they love to pray publicly? So people could see him. <laughs> Who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the that reward. That is all? All the reward. That's all the reward they'll ever give. They're not all in. They, they do their religious stuff. They want to be seen. They show up. They pray. They do this because they want people to see them as being spiritual. But they're really not all in. Think about, are you all in? Are you genuinely all in? At the private moments of your life, are you all in? Do you talk to God when you're, you're private? When you're all alone, do you pour your heart out to him? And do you love him and worship him? And, and worship is my heart responding to his heart. You know, oh, wow, let's, let's go on. Who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get. That's all. If you're, if you're doing your spiritual activity to be seen by people, that's all you'll ever get out of it. Nothing else. If you're doing it just to be seen by men. That's but, what it tells us. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Go away by yourself? Shut the door behind you. And pray to your father secretly. That's when you're all in. When you pray to your father 
secretly, you know, not, not publicly to be seen by anybody else. And it says, if you'll go and talk to God secretly, there's a word that comes. Then. Then. When you pray to God, your father, secretively, it says here, then your father who knows all secrets will reward you. He will reward you when you pray to him in secret. You're not just praying to be seen by men, but you're praying to commune with him. And he says, then you will be rewarded. When you pray, don't babble on and on. And, and you know what that means? Is don't say vain, repetitious prayers. It's contrary to the Bible. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't just say, you know, some people, well, if you'll say this prayer, you know, 150 times, well, God answer it. It don't work that way. How many of you tell your kids when they're hungry, you're like, well, if you ask me 150 times to get you some breakfast, I might get you some. No. That's not a relationship, you know. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. And there's these little things, they, they call them prayer wheels. And it's like, what's that little thing kids play with? Like a pinwheel. A pinwheel thing. thing, the wind blows on it. But there's these spiritual-minded people, what happened? They write their prayer on one of the little pedals of this, and when the wind blows, it spins. And they believe every time the wind blows around, their prayers being answered. So they can go watch TV while they're doing all their praying because there's little pinwheels out the window there and the wind's hitting it. That's just absolutely foolishness. That's not the way you pray. You, prayer is talking to God. That's what it's all about. Don't be like them because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. When you're all in, God knows what you need before you ask him. But he still wants us to ask him. Now, here's how to ask. Would you like to find some secrets about how to get your prayers answered? Yes. Okay, John chapter 16, starting in verse 23. At that time... Now, this is after the crucifixion. At that time, this is about Jesus. At that time, after the crucifixion... And the resurrection. And the resurrection... You won't need to ask me for anything. Jesus is telling his disciples, and we're his disciples... After the resurrection, you're not going to need to ask me. Before Jesus was crucified, if they were hungry or they were tired, they said, Jesus, can we stop and get something to eat? And, and they would ask Jesus about things. Oh, I'm not feeling so good. My mother-in-law, she's not feeling too good. And Jesus would meet their needs. But he's saying here, you know, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is you can go directly to the Father. You don't go to Mary. You don't go to the saints. You don't go to Holy Spirit. He says, go, go directly to the Father. How many of you remember that prayer when Jesus was teaching the disciples? Our Father, which art in heaven. He taught them how to pray. And, and Jesus says, you don't even pray to me. Did you know that if you want your prayers answered? He says, you won't need to ask me. This is Jesus. You won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is you can go directly to the Father. Let's go on. And ask him and he will grant your request. Ask the Father and he will grant your request. Why? Because. What's that word? Because. Because. 
He will grant your request because you use my name. Wow. When you use Jesus' name, you're all in. When you go, well, Papa God, Pastor Ron said, I can come and talk to you. It's like, wrong name. Jesus said, when you go, you're all in. When you go, Papa God, I'm here because Jesus said, I can come. And you know, right now, let's just say there's somebody here today and your, your car is sitting out here in the parking lot and, and the gas gauge is on empty. But you knew you wanted to come even if you was going to run out of gas to get here. Now there's somebody in here who's got a credit card and they'll let you borrow it, you know, for a couple hours and you go to the service station, fill up your car. Probably stop and get some lunch on it too, you know. <laughs> But, but you're going and you're getting it in their name. That makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and let's finish this passage there. It says, And ask him and he will grant your request because you use my name. Wow. Stay connected. Use the name of Jesus. Jesus says, don't even ask me. Ask the Father, but tell him I sent you. That's what he says. Tell him I sent you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Oh, wow. You know what we're talking about thermostats? What happens if all these little wires and all get corroded? And I stick it back up there on the wall? It might not work. Now, Guy Tuma, he taught me about a substance called dioelectric grease. Does anybody else know about that? Now, I think God brushes his teeth with it. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. No matter what problem I have, God don't live too far from me. If I've got any kind of electrical problem, he brings over some dielectric grease and he fixes it. He puts dielectric grease on his light bulbs before he puts them in. He puts them on everything. You, you, you hook up a trailer or some lights to your car, and every year it don't work again. It gets corroded. He says, just put some dielectric grease. You know what? I've got dielectric grease around my house. I can pretty much anywhere and just reach out and I find some because I need it so much. It keeps your connections clean. Keeps them pure. Well, listen to what the Bible is talking about. And this has everything to do with prayer. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. All in. Your heart's pure. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. For they will see God. They'll see God. You know, sometimes some people see things that other people don't see. You can have these night vision things, and you can look, and I've actually done this with this little monocular thing I got, and I can see uh, raccoons and possums all around the bird feeder in the middle of the night, and they're just right there. And my uncle was with me, and I was saying, can you see? I don't see nothing. But if you got the night vision, you can see. Does that make sense? When you got a pure heart, you can see what God's on the move and what he's doing. You know, I don't see God doing nothing. Well, maybe it's because your heart's not pure. Maybe it's a little corroded and you're not making contact with him. But he says here, blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Back now to John chapter 16, looking at verse 24, it says about speaking and asking the Father in the name of Jesus. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Because you're all in. When you use Jesus' name when you pray, 
You don't pray to nobody else but the Father. And you use Jesus. Hey, Jesus told me to come and talk to you. That's the way I addressed him early this morning. I said, Jesus sent me. And, and I always, I, it's just, that's, that's our entrance into the presence of Almighty God. Now, you know, are you making time for God? I, I've got a new version of the 23rd Psalm I want to read to you, okay? So maybe you can learn something from this new version. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Does that appeal to you? No. Don't appeal to me either. That's not what God gives us. He is our shepherd, and he gives us his rest. Genuinely, he does. Now, last night, I was getting ready to stop. You know, and Susan said, look at the clock up there. We was actually past our time last night, too. But I want to keep a couple more minutes going on, because I'm not going to be controlled by the clock right now. As an example, I encourage you, don't just be controlled by the clock. Okay, because the clock can ruin us. <laughs> but it can also remind us of God. I need to make time for God. There was a pastor, and he talked about spending time alone with God and the value of time. He says, if, if we're involved in the marketplace at all, the business world, we are trained to believe that time is money. That's why we talk about managing time, using it efficient, effectively and profitably. Cram more in, start earlier, work later, take work home, use a laptop on the commuter train, phone clients while you drive, check your email when you fly, schedule breakfast, lunches, dinner for profit, performance, 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 performance. It is the key to promotion, to compensation, to increase and to power. But the pastor says, he says, getting caught up in that intense pace can be rewarding. It's exciting when the adrenaline starts to flow and you get on a roll and when you start racing faster and faster, but it all, it leaves precious little time for quiet moments with God. Does the clock dictate your life? And you're always just trying to perform better, perform better. Or do you make time to spend with God? Ephesians 5, 16. says, redeeming the time. That means be all in. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. And I'm talking about the opportunities you have with God. Because the days are evil. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be all in. Try to find out what God wants you 
to do in 2022. That rhymes. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 says, Young man, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. Take it all in. Do everything you ever wanted to do, you know? And don't put all in to the wrong thing, though. But remember that you must give account to God for everything you do. You and I will stand before God, whether we want to or not, and we shall give account for everything that we've done. And if it helped us in our relationship with him, or if it hindered our relationship with him, we will give account. Now this is a song. I'll just read it to you. It says, are you living your life in a hurry? You're singing it. Spending each day on the run. Do you make big decisions without a clear vision? Just hoping that God's will is done. God has given his spirit to lead us. If you'll only take time to hear. By his word, with his wisdom, he'll feed us. He's just waiting for you to draw near to be all in. And to take time to sit at his table. He has a place prepared daily for you. Are you all in? He's got a place prepared daily for you. To make. So make time to spend in his presence, to hear his voice whisper, my child, I love you. See, it hurts God who knows how we need him when we try to go it alone. But what's more heartbreaking than those who wrong steps were taken is the way he just misses us. When we don't come home, so simply take time to sit at his table. He has a place prepared daily for you, but you got to make time to spend in his presence. All in to hear his voice whisper, my child, I love you. God often speaks to us. In a still, small voice. But we have to be quiet. You got to turn down the radio, turn down the television, turn off all the, the busy, 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 banging, banging, banging. This is clanging. Yeah, I'm pretty noisy at home. Yeah, she makes a joyful noise when she's in the kitchen. <laughs> and I probably make a terrible noise when I'm working on projects also. But sometimes you just got to be quiet and be still and make time to sit at his table and hear him speaking to you and I cannot challenge you enough to make time today to spend with him in the morning and in the night and throughout the day it will benefit you more than you can ever imagine and anything you give up so you can have more time with him He's going to bless you a hundred times over. He genuinely will. There's lots of stuff we want to say, but we don't have time to do that right now. Is that okay? Yep. Okay. Well, would you pray with me? 
as we just declare to God that we're all in. Would you pray with me to declare your faith in him? Would you pray? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I'm all in. I'm all in. I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe you sent your son Jesus. And he's all in. And he's all in. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for to me. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open the door. And I open the door. And I welcome Jesus in. And I welcome Jesus in. To every area of my life. To every area of my life. As my life. Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 